So glad that you're able to be with us this morning. Uh, my name's Jim. I know a lot of you and some of you I don't know, but I'm so glad that you're able to join us um, for new faces or family visiting family um, or alumni uh, or for those who are just checking us out today. Can we just get a welcome once again to all those who are here for the first time? We're so glad you're here. We love you. We're so glad you're able to participate in this resurrection service. God is good. Come on. Woo. All the time. That's right. All the time. Well, this morning, I'm going to be uh, sharing a message. Uh, we'll be looking at John 20 in just a couple minutes. But uh, I kind of been focusing it. I feel like the Lord just put it on my heart to ask the question, do you know Jesus? I know for some of us, the answer might be yes. Some of you might be no. Some of you might be like, I'm only here because it's Easter. I'm here once a week. Like, I'm not looking to learn more about Jesus. But you're here anyways. I'm really glad that you're here. <laughs> but do you know Jesus? And that question really, if Jesus is infinite, we can keep getting to know Jesus a little bit every day, right? A little bit more, right? Uh, Jesus is so great. And for some, if you're just kind of exploring, uh, may this be a safe place just to learn more about Jesus. I pray you'll be blessed. But I wanted to look specifically, before we get to John 20, which talks about the resurrection account from the Gospel of John, you'll see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, I want to just look a little bit about Jesus, the sacrifice he made for us, and then we're going to talk about the resurrection. We're actually going to go to the Old Testament for just, just a minute or two from Isaiah 53, because it's amazing as we're celebrating Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and dying on the cross, that it was foretold and prophesied long in advance that he would come and he would suffer. Sometimes we look at the world today, I'm sure we look at the news, there's a lot of evil going on and a lot of suffering, right? And sometimes the question by Christians and non-Christians is, Man, if God's so good, then how come there's so much suffering going on? Anyone else ever feel that way sometimes? Like, God, you're so good. We see that in Scripture, but yet there's suffering. Well, when we look at Jesus, we will realize very quickly in Isaiah 53 that we have a God who does not stand afar in our suffering, but he comes near and suffers on our behalf. Amen? Amen. He literally will take the dysfunction, the sin in our lives, and he took it upon himself on the cross. He wants to give us new life. So instead of attacking or hurting or destroying or doing things that do not look like God, in Christ there's a new way that we can live, a new life in Jesus. So let's look at Isaiah 53. Remember that God in heaven loved us so much that he sent Jesus to come to the world to die that we might have life and life eternally. But it cost him dearly. This is not a love that was conveniently easy like going through a McDonald's drive-thru, okay? Right? Simple, usually quick. This cost him dearly. And let's see that from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53. So I'm just going to read the chapter, but this is prophetically talking about Jesus ahead of time and the pain and suffering he would go because of my sin, because of our sin, because of the world's sin. God so loved us so much, he sent his son. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. This is talking about, prophetically, Jesus ahead of time. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Man. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Some of you in this morning, you might be in actual physical pain. Know that Jesus can relate. 
Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for not his transgressions, because Jesus did nothing wrong. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen? Amen. By his wounds, we are healed. If you're looking at like, man, I don't like you, Jesus, or man, where are you at? And some of you might be in that place this morning. Realize that Jesus loves you so much, he's taking everything you've done wrong upon himself. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was caught off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. This is Jesus. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for Jesus this morning. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves you so, so much. He knows the pain you go through. He knows the suffering. He knows the difficulty. He sees the things that happens to you, but he also sees the things that we do to other people. Because if we have to be honest, it's a lot easier to focus on stuff that happens to us, which is wrong. But honestly, we sometimes can be doing stuff to other people, either with our words or actions, or honestly, sometimes with our minds. We can be thinking about it. Jesus died for all our sins. Let's take a moment to pray, and we're going to jump into the resurrection. Jesus, we just thank you for dying for our sins, our iniquities. Uh, God, you were counted with the transgressors, even though you did nothing wrong. God, we just want to say thank you. Oh, happy day, Lord, that our sins are indeed washed away because you died for us. God, I pray that you'd be glorified through this time, and that we could draw a little bit closer into knowing you more this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. So it's Isaiah 53, a little prompter to get us rolling, but we'll be spending our time in John chapter 20. And once again, the question I'll be asking is, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you, not a relationship with Jim and then learning about Jesus or a building or a program. Jesus wants to know you in a personal way. And we're going to see that personal ability of Jesus. You see it all throughout Scripture as he interacts with different followers of Christ from the gospel account in John 20. So let's check it out together. The resurrection, John chapter 20, verse 1. So Jesus had been dead. Then three days later, on the first day of the week, it says this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. 
So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the room. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloths, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. And should just take a moment. I know it's probably kind of hard for any of us to do this, but imagine following Jesus around for a couple months or specifically three years, and then he dies. The one that's supposed to be delivering the world from sin, the one that you're following. The disciples are in such a place of sadness. Talk about being, feeling let down and just fear. They're literally in fear. I love how it talks about right here in John 20 that Mary Magdalene, her reaction is just, she's, she's a place of, of sadness and, and weeping. It's just like, what happened? You know, we were following Jesus and now he's not here. He died. And like, it, it seems like maybe sin and death and the devil did defeat Jesus because he's been dead. And not only that, she's going there and other gospels, you'll see that there's other ladies going. John just talks about just Mary Magdalene. But as she's going there to, to anoint and honor the body that's been dead, the body's gone. So talk about like grief upon grief, right? I'm thinking of Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene, if you don't realize, <laughs> she encountered Jesus in a powerful way. It says in scripture that Mary was actually demon-possessed with seven demons in her. This is Mary's backstory, right? So it's like, man, there's someone that no one would probably want to be around. Uh, spiritual darkness obviously working in her life. But thank God that Jesus isn't afraid of darkness, amen? And John, it talks about him coming in like light into darkness, and he cast out the seven demons out of Mary. So now Mary, whose life used to be completely enslaved to the devil and his ways, is now free, but the one that she's been following, her teacher, is now dead. I can't imagine just the sadness there. Simon Peter will read about him and his brother Andrew. They were fishing, and Jesus just said, hey, leave your whole occupation and lifestyle. Come follow me. He also said that to James and John. They were fishing with their dad in the boat. Leave the boat and just come follow me. They're, these are men who have given up like everything to follow Jesus, and now Jesus is dead. It's like, what else do we got to live for? Like, this was the whole point. And now they're afraid, they're scared, they're grieving, and their grieving have just gotten worse because it seems like maybe someone has stole the body. <laughs> but that's not the case as we know. I'm just trying to picture myself in their moment. Reading backwards 2,000 years, it's a little easier. Um, but, yeah. So, we're going to move on to... Um, where are we at? Yeah, it went back to the disciples. So we're going to go back to verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Imagine the surprise that Mary's in for, right? <laughs> she was one of the first ones there, and other gospel accounts, there were six ladies who were there, and you see that she's there, and she's weeping. It's like, where, where, have you, where have you brought the body? Like, where, 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 where's my Savior? Where's, where's my teacher? Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will 
take him away. She just wants to see Jesus' body honored in his death. And then verse 16, oh, this is so good. Uh, I've been reading this a lot this week. But Jesus said to her, Mary. See how personal Jesus is? He's just directly showing up to where Mary is, exactly where she's at, in her weeping, actually in the moment. She said to her, Mary, and then she turned and said to him in Aramaic, or sometimes it says Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. There's something that for whatever reason, Mary couldn't, maybe whatever, it could be the son, or God just decided to re not reveal himself. This actually happened to two disciples on the road to Damascus. You might remember in the Gospel of Luke, they're walking along, and Jesus was walking with them, right? They had no clue. But then towards the end when they ate, Jesus like, it's me. They, their hearts were burning when Jesus had been with them. Like, that, this must be someone significant, but God revealed himself in his right time. I can only imagine Mary's response to realizing that her teacher, the one that delivered her from seven demons, was not dead. He is alive. Amen, church? Amen. <laughs> Circumstances can make us feel sometimes like, man, Jesus, are you dead? Like, we're, what's going on? Have you read the news recently? Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Jesus is right on mission right away. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I have ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. Now, we don't see it in this uh, gospel, but in the other gospels, two other ones, you'll see that when the disciples heard this, they were just like, they seemed like idle gibberish. They're like, <laughs> in their sadness, their disbelief, their grief, their weeping, their fear, they're just like, ah, no, this, this can't have happened. Like, death has won. We're just completely, like, just lost, essentially. But we'll continue on verse 19. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene in a personal way. Now Jesus is about to appear to some of his disciples. It says, on that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Like, this is not like an exciting group of people to hang out with right now. Like, it's sad, and everyone's just hiding out, kind of locked down, being like, if they took out Jesus, we're probably next, right? This is where Jesus is going to show up. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So here's a bunch of disciples in fear, and Jesus is like, I'm bringing peace. He just shows up. Everything was locked, and God just shows up in his new resurrected body. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm ascending you. Once again, Jesus is right on mission. He told Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene wanted to cling and give Jesus a hug. He's like, ah, go tell the brothers, go tell the other disciples. I'm alive, right? Boom, right to mission. Once again, Jesus is doing a very similar thing with the other disciples. He's like, hey, I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I really appreciate Beverly earlier was reading from Ezekiel about the dry bones, right? And it's that very similar idea of like breathing breath of life to something that's dead. And Jesus, we're seeing, is breathing the Holy Spirit. And, and almost in a way, as you're looking at this text, like almost talking about what's about to come. Because we'll see that in Acts, in the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples in a powerful way, and they actually become incredibly, they go from like this weeping, lost, fearful, disbelieving group has lost everything, to some of the most courageous, bold, miraculously filled Holy Spirit people you've ever seen because of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? How God can take fearful people, people who are weeping in grief, people who used to be demon-possessed, people who used to have lost everything, and because when Christ's spirit is breathed upon them, they receive that. We'll see that in Acts. It completely changes them from the inside 
out. Jesus said to them again, just to get it across. I mean, I'm sure they're freaking out. Jesus just literally showed up in the room that was locked. Peace be with you. As his father sent me, so I'm sending you. Yeah, we already got that. And then it says, if you have forgiven the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness of any, it is withheld. And he's, he's giving the point that when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be out proclaiming the gospel all over the place, starting where you're at and all around the globe, and give you the opportunity for people to repent or not as the gospel goes out. So we see Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene in a personal way. See Jesus appearing to the disciples. Mary was weeping. The disciples were afraid. Now we're going to go over to see Jesus' interaction with one of the disciples named Thomas. Verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, or Didymos, was not with them when Jesus came. <laughs> so the other disciples told them, We have seen the Lord. So Mary saw the Lord. None of the disciples believed Mary, right? <laughs> then the disciples, a lot, some of them, not all of them, saw the Lord. At least, obviously, Judas isn't there and Thomas isn't there. And once again, they're like, wow, but Thomas is now not believing this. And so it's easy to look back on people and be like, man, if I was there, I would have believed, right? <laughs> I think I would have probably been with Thomas, honestly. This is hard, right? Jesus got killed publicly, and now you're saying he's alive and well? We've, we have not seen that in Jesus' life. But wait, have we seen that in Jesus' life? And I wonder, if you look in the Gospels, Jesus actually did raise someone from the dead not that long ago in the Gospels account. It was actually Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus. Some of you might remember this. Lazarus was dead <laughs> for several days, and Jesus said, come forth. But unlike Jesus, who just, he, his grave clothes were stuck in the grave, Lazarus came forth full of his grave clothes. Like, it was all wrapped around him and everything. That was probably super scary. But they have seen it, but still, the doubt was there. Can Jesus really be alive? Mary struggled with it. She saw Jesus. The disciples struggled with it. They saw Jesus. Thomas has heard about it, but yet... He hasn't seen Jesus yet. So let's see this a little bit more. So the other disciples told him, verse 25, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my fingers in the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, because he was pierced with a spear on the cross, I will never believe. So Thomas is not given a lot of hope <laughs> of believing in the resurrected Savior yet. But once again, Jesus, he's just so personal, and he meets us, where we're at, whether we're in weeping, whether we're in fear, whether we're in doubt. Maybe some of you this morning are just kind of like, I doubt this whole thing. Jesus can meet you in that doubt. So this happens a couple days actually later. So verse 25, verse 26 is eight days later. So there's about, you know, a little bit more than a week goes by. Thomas is still not believing the other stories from Mary, from the other ladies, or from the other disciples, the brothers. But Jesus shows up. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, so they really haven't gotten out of that fear thing yet. I'm pretty sure they, they thought they were going to get killed next. So we haven't seen quite the Acts 2 explosion of boldness. <laughs> They're still locked in fear. If I was there, I'm sure I would be locked in the room with them. <laughs> Jesus came and stood among them and said once again, we're hearing this now for the third time over like, you know, a little less than over a week. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put on your hand and place it on my side. So once again, what Thomas is like, unless I see, you know, where he's nailed to the cross, where he's pierced, I'm not believing. Never believing. Do not disbelieve. This is what Jesus says, but believe. Might the Lord want to even share that to you, some of you today. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. She had a radical shift again. Jesus said to him, have you 
believe because you have seen me. And here's a really cool blessing that Jesus talks about that's for us today. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There's a blessing with that. Isn't that cool? Read scripture. It's like there's a blessing God's saying. For those who have not seen Jesus in person, it's like there's a blessing for you. And for, I know for many of us today, I know you know Jesus in a personal way. You realize that God's death on the cross was for your sins. And you're like, God, I just want to say thank you for dying for me on the cross, right? Lord, I want to follow you. The amazing thing about God's grace, it's extravagant. It really is. It's incredibly extravagant. Over the last year, I spent some time thinking about um, the two other thieves that were on the cross when Jesus died. So there's, there's three people getting crucified. Um, you might remember the crowd. Instead of, even though Jesus did nothing wrong, and the whole court system showed that, they're like, just give us, give us uh, Barabbas. You know, give us another criminal, set him free, but get Jesus crucified. And the pilot was like, fine, whatever. Just I wash my hands of this. You just, you get Jesus. Just do what you want, essentially. But uh, it was crazy, because when Jesus was crucified, there was one thief that mocked him. It's like, if you're the king of the Jews, or you're so powerful, why don't you get us off here, right? So you got the power, do something about it. But then the other thief, which is just, I just, I don't know, I just get stuck here a lot and just think about the amazing, of, just the awesomeness of God's grace. He says, he believed what Jesus, who Jesus was and what he was doing. And Jesus looked at him as he's dying and getting tortured. It's like, today you'll be with me in paradise. Some of us, we might remember this, right? And it's amazing, this story, because sometimes, and I can struggle with this, sometimes we think we got to do a lot of things in order to get to heaven. You ever think that way sometimes? I was talking with someone recently, they're not a believer, uh, a couple weeks ago, and they're like, I'm really hoping, this is the exact illustration this person gave me, that I'm tilting the scales of my good works and my bad ones being lower, and I'm just kind of hoping it works out with God, right? That's called religion, and, and everybody's trying to do that on the planet in some way, usually, if they're following some kind of like higher power of some kind. But Jesus is making it very clear, there's no amount of works that you can ever do to get to heaven. It's only through Jesus, amen? It's only through Jesus. And get this, we are prepared ahead of time to do good works out of salvation, but those works don't give us salvation. The thief on the cross was dying. And sometimes if you're ever with a loved one or with anyone that's about to pass away, they don't need to join a church or even get baptized or serve as a greeter. Do they trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Jesus is that powerful that literally have no opportunity to even show some kind of changed life of caring for people. But God would love us so much that he's like, all your sins, all, all your dysfunction, everything you've done wrong, I'm putting on myself and all the righteousness that I have, which is 100% pure, I'm going to give to you. Is Jesus not amazing or what? Right? Literally, death on the cross as a thief, capital punishment. And one of those thieves, I don't know his name, but I'm excited to meet him in heaven one day. I don't know about you. It's like, man, you did really nothing to get in. And he's like, yeah, neither did you, Jim. <laughs> it's all about God's grace. That's how much he loves us. There is hope. The purpose of the book, verse, of just two more verses, I'll be wrapping up in a moment, but uh, John says this in verse 30, which is awesome. What's the purpose of this book? He explains it. Um, now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen? There's life in Jesus. It does not matter how you lived your life before this, whether you screwed it up, whether you've been in like some kind of 
uh, demonic whole depression, oppression, or some kind of like, uh, you know, like Mary Magdalene, seven demons in her. Jesus can set you free from that. Peter, who followed Jesus so boldly, actually denied him three times. Man, if Jesus was doing the whole weight thing about like, man, I hope your righteous works work out and you get over your negative works, I would say Peter screwed up really bad, right? I don't think he's getting into heaven based on works. You left Jesus in his most dire time and then you just publicly denied him. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, I can't think of any way of hurting him. Jesus probably more in a personal way. But Jesus came and he forgave Peter. He redeemed Peter. Thomas doubted him, and he didn't just push Thomas away with his doubts. He met him personally. I believe that's what God wants to do in our lives. Do you know Jesus? And if you know Jesus, are you growing in knowing Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, would you want to know him? Jesus has conquered death on the cross and through the resurrection. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Um, you don't have to be afraid of death. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You don't have to be. Because Jesus has conquered death. Eternity awaits with Christ in heaven. It's going to be amazing. Jesus conquered the work of the devil completely. We have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He roams around like a roaring lion. He's, he doesn't play games. He's looking like mess up people and families and marriages. And like, man, if he can encourage you to go in your sin life, hardcore, like he will give a fuel to the fire. Jesus conquered the works of the devil on the cross. Amen. Amen. He has limited power, but his time is on a timeline. It's going to end. Jesus has conquered sin. In Romans it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of, life, the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus has taken that wage, that penalty of sin upon himself, if we are willing to take upon Christ in our own life. Do you love Jesus this morning? Do you love Jesus? Would you give anything for Jesus? <laughs> right? I remember, I'm just going to share this story, then I'll have the, the worship team come up. But I remember uh, several years ago, I've shared this, but I was down in New York City, and I was in Manhattan, and I was down doing like, some ministry stuff, and we were um, giving like, food and blankets to some homeless uh, folks in front of uh, like a cathedral building uh, near like the business district. So there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of skyscrapers everywhere. And I remember when I was down there, and this gentleman just came up to me, and uh, there's several times I've interacted with people that were clearly under the control of the devil. Um, it makes me think of like maybe if I'd interacted with Mary Magdalene before she was set free. She had seven demons. Well, this guy definitely has some kind of demon thing going on in his life. And I remember I was talking to him, and he asked me these questions. But first, he was trying to get me to just, like, give up on my faith. And I knew it was the enemy because, like, I don't know this guy at all. He doesn't know me. But he's saying, like, you need to renounce Jesus. And when you do, he looked at about all the business district, where all the money is, and he's like, you can have all of this. Right? And I'm like, oh, I know who I'm talking to. I'm not just talking to a man. It's like I'm talking to a spirit. And demonic spirit. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't. I was thinking about Jesus. I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. No. And then he started getting a little bit more uh, irritated and angry. And just had like these eyes that would just kind of glow. And it was just kind of like, if you do not renounce Jesus, I'm going to throw you in front of the next car that drives by. We're literally on the sidewalk in the city. If you ever been in the city, cars are flying by. And now I got to think a little harder, right? Uh... I'm like, excuse me? He's like, if you do not renounce Jesus, and like, I've never met this person. This is literally how the conversation, there's no small talk about, hey, are you a Yankee fan? We, we, never, we didn't get there. It literally just jumped in, you need to renounce Jesus right now. And so I thought about it more, a little bit harder, because I'm thinking this guy, who's huge, looks like a bodybuilder on steroids, 
is threatening me to throw me in the next car. And I'm really, he's like right here. So I'm like, this is going to be like throwing like a straw in front of like a truck. Like it's not, I'm not, you can tell, Jim, you're not going to fight. You're not, you're not going to live through this. So, and I thought about it. And then I just thought about all the things that Jesus has done in my life. I thought about when I was five years old real quickly, how Jesus completely saved my life. I wasn't believing Jesus because of my parents or a church or a program. Like, I want to know Jesus personally, and he met me personally, like he did Mary Magdalene and Thomas and the disciples. And I'm like, yeah, I see Jesus just going through. Not to say you don't have questions about certain things, for sure, but I'm like, I know Jesus, and I'm like, I can't renounce Jesus. So I said, no, there's, there's no way I can renounce Jesus. And then he got super irritated. Thankfully, another homeless lady, maybe she was like an angel in disguise, I don't know. She's like, you need to get out of here. Like, stuff's going down. I'm like, yeah, I got that feeling, too. Uh, I think I should leave, you know? And so thank we really get out and go. But I remember, I'd never been in that situation before. Maybe you've been there before, too, where people are threatening to kill you unless you renounce Jesus. It's actually a really good opportunity to like think, like, do I really love Jesus, or am I just a really a religious person? Because a religious person would have been like, oh, yeah, no, I renounce it for sure. I'm out of here. You're like, peace. You know, I, I, if I can get out of pain or sorrow. But as we know around the world, and even this morning we were praying, there's brothers and sisters in other countries. They're getting asked that question but they don't have the opportunity to come up on stage like I do right now to tell you that I didn't get killed. There's those that literally will die for Jesus because Jesus told his disciples, take up your cross daily and come follow me, right? And sometimes we like to look, overlook those verses, but that's like a daily choice that Jesus, I want to die to self and let you live. But also God, if there's an opportunity where you're saying, hey, like one of the early disciples, Stephen, who was martyred, for following Jesus, it's like, Jesus, I'm not going to let go of you because you are infinitely even better than life. I'm going to invite up the worship team at this time and just pray. As was a closing song and then a benediction, and afterwards we have an Easter reception we hope you can join us for in the fellowship hall. Let's take a moment to pray. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are better than life. God, forgive me when sometimes I just want to live my life my own way because I do that, Lord, and you know that. Forgive me, God. I'm sure others, we can do that. We just want to do us, and we squeeze Jesus in like he's an extra hobby on the side. But God, I pray for my life, for our lives, for those who know Jesus today, God, that we would be filled with resurrection life through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that we would decrease and you would increase in us. God, this word desperately needs to see people, men and women who are full of love, that love God and love people. All people, all over the place. Even enemies, we pray for, we bless God, we care for, we die for. God, I thank you that when you looked at a rebellious world, you didn't just destroy us, which you could have, because you're holy, but out of love, you came and died for a rebellious world, a world that's gone its own way like sheep, that decided just to do its own thing. God, I thank you so much for dying for my sin, for our sins. Lord, I pray for today for those who know you. God, I pray that we could just grow in knowing you. God, I pray for those who don't know you yet. Maybe they're here just kind of trying to think like, man, what's this service going to end? Or maybe they're thinking, man, I really want to know more about Jesus. God, I thank you that in your word it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you will find him when you seek him with your whole heart. God, you're not impossible to find. And God, I thank you that you'll meet us in our weeping like Mary, or in our fear like the disciples, in our denial like Peter, or in our doubt like Thomas. You'll meet us exactly where we are and make us a whole lot better to look like you. God, may you be glorified today. May your resurrection power be in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.